Welcome to season 13, episode 2 of the Euphoria podcast. Welcome to in what? Season 11? <laughs> Welcome to season 11, definitely not season 13 of the Euphoria podcast. We nailed this intro first try, 100%. Don't, easy. easy. Uh, episode episode 2, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. As always, I'm Dracos, joined today by two very special guests. Uh, master coach formerly of Fanatic, formerly of the Euphoria podcast, former cohort of mine, none other than Jacob Yamato Kanemebdi, and joining myself as well as the LEC broadcast team, none other than Rob Dagda-Price. Welcome, boys. It's good to have you, you here. Yeah. Thank you very much. That's we, a sick name, buddy, Rob Price. Thank you. Rob yeah. Price, yeah. It does sound... <laughs> that's, that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's got like to be a robbery joke. That is the thing, right? We both kind of yeah. lucked into... Into just interesting names. names. Yeah. Because, yeah. right. like, people, we could have all just picked cool names. Mm. You know what I mean? It like, would have been really bad. Imagine, like, you turn five, you pick a name. It would be like uh, Beyblade Master. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I would name myself after the Everyone Red Ranger. I, I would have been, like, yeah, <laughs> been like Tommy Beyblade after the Red Ranger, my favorite show, Tommy Street Shark. You know, like, oh my God. I like that, though. But I meant more like in show business, right? Because, like, in theory, before you're a public persona, you know, you can be whatever you need to be legally for paperwork and when you get paid. But on show, you could have been anybody. Could have mm. made up any name you wanted. We all just, uh, we kind of did, obviously. Yeah. I picked very poorly. You guys both have pretty good names, so. <laughs> Dagda. Yeah. Reminds it's me of the Age of Empires. Oh, yeah. Irish God. Oh, Irish God of what? Yeah. He's like the All-Father God, so imagine like. And he's like Odin. 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 Oh. Yeah. Did he also like hang himself from a tree for knowledge or anything like that? Are there any no, overlapping themes? Weird, but no, he's like kind of in charge of uh like the seasons and all that kind of stuff so like he has like a massive pot that he can feed anyone out of and he's got like oh, a big damn. staff that can give life or give death and wow yeah. that's an ops god i'll be honest <laughs> there's <laughs> very <laughs> rarely in like is there a pantheon yeah. of irish gods there is yeah it's called okay. the two of day danon um, that was sick. You should yeah. just say <laughs> stuff in Irish more often. <laughs> I could not repeat yeah. whatever you but just the, said. You know the Irish harp. Cool. The Irish harp is Dagda's harp. Oh damn! Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm damn. waiting for God of War to visit now. Yeah, I was ready. God of War Eight in the Irish pantheon. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting. Oh. Anyway, sick back, sick backstory. Your name no, had zero, <laughs> literally zero idea. I like it. It's more subtle than like Hades or Zeus. You know, like the the more well known. I guess, mythologies of the world, but super sick. Anyway, boys, last week, Cajun and I, we rated five teams. This week, spoiler alert for everyone watching at home, we're going to rate the other five teams. We're going to talk about each of the five teams. Before we get into doing that, I'd love to get your thoughts on our rankings. Um, we can put them on the screen behind you for those of you in YouTube land, but I'll read them off. So for Excel, I gave them a B, Cajun gave them an A. This is S to D tier for context. For Koi, I gave them an A. Cajun gave them an S. We both put SK and C tier. We both put Heretics in B tier. I put G to an A and Cajun put them in S. Any initial thoughts? Anything stand out to you as like, God, these guys are dumb or like you have follow-up questions? Any questions for the class before we begin our second half of the... I, I guess yeah. my, my, my question is, will you put any team in S? No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because so just... I was debating. Because okay. to be completely honest with you, I had not ranked the other five teams when we started this, right? Mm. I had, I'd only ranked the five we were going to do for the episode one. And then I kind of backed myself into a corner where I'm like, 
oh well shit if i'm not gonna give either of these teams <laughs> that's your game anybody i kind of realized that prepping this episode but did you I'll, just get hurt by vitality last year was that it where they came in and i think you had them at s tier right well <laughs> may, okay maybe i don't it's hard to remember. I mean, they were they were a promised super team alongside Fnatic. i i was confused with that going i was like dagda are you about to tell me vitality is an s tier team i was like it's oh, yeah. a bold start to your <laughs> lec that's all i need I'm a chinese player baby <laughs> i'm with you on xl oh Oh, the, the podcast is over. Uh, Thank you very much, guys. That's the yeah. timer. We're, we're done. So we had time for today, yeah? We'll add it in next uh, week. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, that's my Google timer that was supposed you put to in be the a premium stopwatch. episode. We'll actually <laughs> I think we just keep rolling with that and pray the sound wasn't too bad. Can I get a can I get a confirmation from our producer? We're just gonna roll through that technical difficulty. Sorry for that. That was Google timer. It was supposed to be a stopwatch. Stopwatch is also running. Mm. Keeps track of how we're doing. Spoiler, we're doing great. Other than the timer. <laughs> Um, I'm with you on XLB though. I'm not as hype as, as putting I, them on A. I think oh. that it depends on how you rank these tiers. I think mm. in Cadrill's mind, Koi and G2 are title contenders. And mm. I think that in my, I agree with him. I just don't think that they're like, none of, neither of them feel like a sure thing. If Koi had kept their roster, I would have put them in S tier. But like whenever you add a new player, you just never 100% know how things are going to work out. And I'm also less, I'm still very optimistic about G2, but it's like, could also be a dumpster fire, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I'm not going to try to oversell G2. Yeah, I mean, I'm very similar to Gadriel, to be honest. Um, I've excelled a little bit higher because, I don't know, I think I have a lot of hope. I think video is going to pop off. I think Patrick is going to look good. I actually want to see what Targamus is going to be like, though, because I think obviously G2's bottling struggled. But, I mean, when Targamus was in EU Masters, like him and Syncroft were like the powerhouse jungle support. And I think if you can bring that back in for Excel, I mean, you can just play around video. You, you're, you're in a good spot. I think that's kind of why I have them a little bit higher. Like, I think that's where I'll see them pop off. But... I mean, wait to be seen. Yeah, on, on my end, when it comes to Excel, I think on paper they look uh, really, really gorgeous. But I think each individual piece, and like when I think of, of Patrick and Viteo, I always remember regular split games where they looked like they could potentially be the best player in their position. But in terms of achieving those high highs when it comes to playoff games, I never see the same level of performance. And I think overcoming that mountain is what separates the elite in the LEC that wins the titles and uh, the players that don't. And even though this is a roster that potentially do so, I think regular split, uh, they will look very dangerous in terms of contesting for a title. When I look across the other teams where they have the names that have consistently been at the top and figured out ways to actually, you know, win and, and do good when it comes to, of course, um, the best of fives. I am more excited by those names, but maybe this new format will give them that experience throughout the year to really, really build them up. I think that is that is kind of the interesting thing because definitely Patrick and VTO. And there's it almost feels like there's a pretty decently sized list of players like this who are we will see them in regular seasons or single best of fives where we're like this guy is insane. Mm. And players will talk about Patrick, for example. They talked about Patrick Mickey so much last year. So many coaches were like, "Excel is nuts in scrims." they're going to blast everything that they just like fell apart in playoffs. Right. Yeah, and yeah. so I think I'm with you. I I'm generally more on the pessimistic side of most teams. And so I was just like, I'm ready to be wrong and I'll believe it when I, when I see it kind of, but until someone has like crossed that threshold into like almost household name of Europe, it's really hard to give them for me, at least that benefit of that same benefit of the doubt. Yeah, for sure. I'm with you. Seems like generally similar sentiment. Although maybe we can get you guys full tier list. So people can say what they think. Shout out to everyone who did um, 
YouTube comments, etc. I'll reference a few of them today. Cajal asked for uh, tier list in the YouTube comments. Okay. Very similar, some of them. A lot more people, a lot more aggressive with their D tier, I would say. <laughs> and their S tier. So, it was a little bit weird there in the YouTube comments, but it was good to see what the what the audience is feeling. Moving on to our teams today, we're going to be talking about Mad Lions, BDS, Fnatic, Astralis, and Vitality ahead of week one here in the LEC. Um, kicking it off with Mad Lions. Chasey, Elioya, Niski, Karzi, Hillisang. This has been called by many the most coin flip roster of our generation. <laughs> Potentially the most coin flip roster of all time. Potentially the new, I'm going to say it, unicorns of love. <laughs> is is it is that fair? Is it, are people overblowing this? How are you guys feeling about these rosters? How do you guys feel about the Mad Lions overall? Honestly, it's like my main focus is just Hillisang because I, I just uh, worked with him for two years and... My, I, I think the community sentiment is it was rather negative uh, towards Hidi in regards to his performance, uh, the, the recent performance. But he's he's a very emotional player. That um, I think in terms of who he works with, I think it's very important that he is able to draw energy and motivation from others. Uh, I think this is where he get, gets his main source of power from, and I feel like this is an environment where he can definitely thrive in. Uh, I, I think that Hilly has shown like levels of performance that uh, I think uh, very few supports in Europe can ever even like think of uh, surpassing. And uh, I think that um, with with that in mind, I think this is the the, the perfect team for Hilly to to reinvent himself and to come back into form. Because uh, the previous year, you know, there was a lot of things uh, going around uh, uh, on behind the scene that, of course, I'm not going to go into now, but. Um, those type of things are definitely things that affect Hilly uh, when it comes to his, his gameplay. And I think uh, this is the roster. Uh, when I think of the characters, it's like, as I look at Kazi's Twitter, like this guy is a madman. <laughs> Niski's hilarious. You know, these guys are going to laugh whether they're winning or losing. They're going to have a good time. And I think that Hilly uh, will definitely find, uh, you know, a good home uh, in this roster. And I think that's also important. It's very vague and very intangible, but this is how... I would describe Hilly in terms of his level of performance. Well, I just before you jump in, Rob, I do appreciate that insight because I think that Hilly is a player who's always got a spotlight on him for mm-hmm. better or for worse. You know, he's either looking at like the best support in the league or he's running it, you know what I mean? And I think that it's interesting to hear that context that he is a more emotional player, that those are the things that he values because these are the things that, yeah, they are intangible and yeah, these aren't the things that'll let you like really you know, mathematically or consistently objectively rank him as a player. But these are like those little bits of context I do think help paint a bigger picture of like what players need to succeed, right? And I think more often than not, like we only talk about in the context of like, you've got the Whippos and Bjergsons of the world who want to go to work, work, go home. And we've got the players who like want to live like five absolute gaming DJs in a gaming house together and spend every waking moment together. And that's the most that we talk about, like those kind of personality preferences. So it's good to hear something yeah. deeper than that. Like Hilly being a guy who maybe will thrive because as you highlighted, this is a team full of personalities, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, no comment on their gameplay. There's just a lot of personality on this team. Yeah. But I also think it's like this bot lane has a lot to kind of prove again, right? As you're saying, like Hilly, a lot of fan sentiment wasn't on his side last played. It's same with Karzi as well. And I think for Karzi, he kind of got 
done a little bit dirty by the vitality system that they had because it was very much hey we're going to play around the solo laners and then Karzy was like left on his own so I think in a, if Karzy and Hilly can actually like work together well I think this could actually be a bot lane that does work really well especially with Karzy coming back to mad lines now as well like I actually have a little bit of hope for this I know it's going to be absolutely bedlam down there <laughs> and I'm really excited for it but I think for both these guys like I think they are still phenomenally good players and I think this is like a bot lane where they can actually show that for sure and, and I think like looking at how the offseason played out there was rumors that Fnatic was also interested in Karzi and I think the profile of Karzi has been the type of player that is uh, very agreeable and adjustable uh, regardless of the game states that he's been put in I think when Mad Lions were the most successful and they won back-to-back -back splits uh, Karzi was often left on his own and and Kaiser and Alioya and 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 Humanoid were doing a lot of damage together and then whether uh, Kazi was 0-5 or 0-0, 50 CS behind, 50 CS ahead. It really didn't matter. His performance was always, you know, uh, consistent and it never seemed to affect him in regards to the game state. And I think if they can follow that mold and, and uh, uh, like Hilly Sign becomes completely unleashed and Kazi gets to uh, adapt to that, that would be super, super good. But then the question is when you tie it to the current meta, it's like, can I imagine these two playing Lucia and Nami together? That sounds nope. bombastic. No, It's like Yumi Zeri together, you know, who knows uh, what the meta will throw at them. You know, if, if, if it lands in the right place for this type of a team, I think it can yeah. be super, super good. Well, and in a world, I mean, I think the thing that excites me the most about this roster is support jungle. Mm -hmm. Like in a world where supports are actually allowed to leave the lane. Right, please. Um, please, please, please. Uh, you know, El Yoya Hill is saying, are you mm -hmm. kidding me? Like El Yoya, <laughs> I think, did everything he could to put Mad Lions on his back in spring when that roster did not make playoffs, when they were a hot mess. I mean, he was trying for his life. Things obviously got a lot better with Niski coming in. And I'm optimistic that if again the meta allows like these two together could just break games open and now they can also sprint it i think that's like that's the caveat we always have to add you know because i think that hillisang is a guy who and maybe you can correct me if i'm wrong on this but i know for since his days in the unicorns of love this is a guy who like really sees micro in such clear detail and he will do shit that people just do not expect or see coming because he is like he knows so many weird champions he's vod reviewed every stupid trade he's ever taken and he will just he sees opportunities other people don't see and that's what always i don't know gets me fired up to see what he can do in terms of playmaking yeah i think in terms of laning i i think the attention to detail when it comes to to bot lane i, I don't think i've seen anyone like that uh like meticulous when it comes to it uh, i think him and upset together in terms of the detail they looked at in terms of lane phase was was absolutely crazy uh, i i think when it comes to, to Hilly in terms of how he views the game, he always views the game through the lens of his champion. So there is going to be cases where, let's say, as a support, you're going to only find your opportunities depending on the game state. So let's say, for example, the enemy mid laner or enemy bull laner doesn't have flash and he's playing like, for example, Leona, the enemy mm -hmm. doesn't have cleanse. Then he views that window as his biggest opportunity in the context of the game. This is where he has the highest chances of having the most impact. And usually these are the moments that he really, really wants to pursue in the game. And when he gets the, that confidence from his teammates to follow along on that journey, this is where Hilly has his super, super high highs because he's very, uh, very clearly tied to uh, when he is the strongest. But sometimes where there can be a little bit of friction is when uh, some players on the team are looking at the context of the whole game in, in a bigger picture. Maybe there's mm. some big item that is being finished. Maybe there's going to be a Drake's whole point. Maybe there's something that is 
uh, like has a wider you know horizon in terms of when the payoff will be and that is sometimes where the friction comes in but when Hilly gets that trust he, he definitely uh, delivers uh, something that I wanted to touch on too uh, I hope that's okay mm. uh, in regards to Niski my boy Niski, like the patch notes. I feel like Niski bribed someone because they buffed Lissandra, <laughs> they buffed Rise, they buffed Twisted Fate. Galio's back. Yeah. Galio's back. Like, yeah, yes, yeah, he yeah. bribed someone because when I think of Niski, I think the same thing for, for, for him and, and the bowling is just the, the meta reliance, right? Yeah. I think Niski in the right meta is competing with the best of the best, but I think the fact that um, He's not been so adjustable in the metas. This is what is holding me back from thinking of Niski as one of the elites in Europe with yeah. Caps and Humanoid and, and Larson. And if if he manages to to show that this year, uh, I think that could be a big plus uh, for, for for Mad Lions too. And I think he will need to, right? Because like we've already kind of hit on the bot lane being, look, we'll see how it goes, but I'm hopeful for them. But I think from the top side as well for Chasey, like this guy coming in off X7 from EU Masters, like he was very much a case of if he's doing well, phenomenal, he's going to pop the hell off. But he will always try and push, push an advantage in lane. He always wants to play aggressive and that can leave him a bit vulnerable to junglers. So I think for like Niski and El Yoya, they're kind of have to babysit a little bit mm -hmm. what these side lanes are doing because otherwise it can just go completely at the window so quickly. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, in general, I I think that there's the the top end of what this team could be is super, super high. Now, there's a lot of caveats. There's a lot of variables we're talking about. Chasey, obviously a guy who, you know, can be feast or famine. Hillsong can be feast or famine. Karzy can be feast or famine. I mean, we could say that about just everybody. Obviously, the right meta going to favor them a lot more. Don't generally want to see Hillsong on Enchanters. But when everything comes together, this is a scary-ass team. Now, I don't know if everything's going to come together most certainly, but like the fact that Niski is so proficient on roaming, the fact that El Yoya, I think is, you can't take anything away from Maorang because Maorang just does what he does and he's unstoppable in terms of what he does. But like if I were to, if I were to first round draft pick a jungler in our league, it'd probably be El Yoya yeah. consistently because he feels like he is the whole package in terms of like, I trust this guy to play tanks and engage. I trust this guy to play carries. I haven't worked with him personally, but from talking to him, it seems like he has a great attitude. Don't want to like, you know, like oversell that because I'm not there with him behind the scenes. But this is a guy who I think is the is the real deal, is the full picture. And he, to me, feels like if he is set up to thrive on this team or if he can take care of his laners and they, and they are performing, this team is this team is a contender for top four at the very least. Mm. Problem is for me right now, I've got him in B because there's too many damn variables. And like when I get into it and we're talking about it and I can see it, I can see the future where it's like Hillisang crazy engages, Carsey's just, you know, chilling bot lane, just waiting, scaling up. You've got Niski, you've got El Yoya, everybody coming together. Maybe they're going top, maybe they're going bot. That sounds sick. That team sounds insane. That team yeah. sounds like they'll do very well, but it takes a lot of things for them to get there, I think. Um, I'm, I'm with you on this, but I would also put them B. Yeah, uh, I have to B as well. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my, the way I do the tier list is basically, it's like, what are the probability of the situation, the circumstance where they win the league mm -hmm. for it to occur? Because yeah. you can easily paint that image for almost any team. And sure. how, how weirder that conversation becomes, that the 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 lower I would put them on the tier list. Like if I'm going to rationalize how how for example, let's say Astralis wins, yeah, then you know we're we're into voodoo, You'll get a chance, maybe. Like voodoo, voodoo, voodoo magic <laughs> and all that get a chance, chance, brother. Don't worry. But with Mad Lions, you know, there's there's some some good stuff there, but there's a lot of question marks too. So I'm feeling the feeling the B. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Universal B. We'll see. I mean, this is again. We look at the top end. The potential is high, but without seeing it, I think we're all reticent to just jump right on the the Mad Lions bandwagon. You you said it, and why don't we just go there next? We'll go to Astral a second, mix up the order a little bit. Finn, 113, Deor, Kabi, Jonghoon. It is a team. 
It is an Astralis lineup. One of the um, YouTube comments, it was mean, but really just got me in the moment was like, <laughs> there are two teams that I just can never put, I can never look, I don't really need to look at their rosters to know where they end up. And it's Vitality and Astralis because Astralis will always be D and Vitality will always be two tiers below wherever you think they should be. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I don't remember who did it. I wasn't going to look it up. It was something, it was basically along those lines. And it's just like, based, butchered, brutal, but also fair. And I just, I guess the discussion we can have right now is this going to be an Astralis lineup? that's going to flip the script. Is this an Astralis lineup that we can expect more than fighting for top eight? Because reminder again, if you missed the first episode or you haven't checked it out, there's a format explainer video, you should watch it, but it is really the only breakpoints that matter anymore are top eight and top four. Top six is no longer a thing. So yeah, I mean, should we have higher expectations? How are you guys feeling about this Astralis lineup? Yeah, I'm not feeling great. I'm going to just put it out there. Um, I mean, this kind of feels, again, like it's going to be butter bust for this squad. Um, I don't think Finn is going to... I mean, look, Finn coming in, I don't think is going to make a massive difference to this team. Um, 113 was kind of a surprising pickup for me, I will say. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when you look at guys like Skeens that are still in the uh, the LFL league. I think there's a lot of talent that is there. I think 113 is kind of just one step below, I think, where he needs to be coming in here. Like, he obviously did end up winning a, a EU Masters a couple of times, but... Um, I think he was probably the weakest point of that roster when he was on it, so I'm kind of surprised. But look, I'm happy if he can come in and prove me wrong, but I still think for this squad, it's like, hey, maybe Kabe and Jonghoon can bring out some weird picks, you know, his Bard, his Pike and stuff yeah. like that, but uh, I just don't really see this Astralis lineup doing much more than it did last time. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I feel like on paper, it's it's, it's a downgrade. I, I think the the one saving grace is just uh, Kobe and Younghoon. Like sometimes they had moments where they did well. They had some games. I remember there was some Twitch games from Kobe. Younghoon on his pike did some 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 crazy stuff. But I think uh, like losing Xerxes for one one three, I think is a downgrade. I, I, I feel like Astralis they're dealing with an issue where it doesn't seem like they want to spend much. And I think a lot of the higher end ERL talent also don't want to make their debut in Astralis. Yeah. Uh, that's that's uh, at least my impression. Of course, I'm only speculating, but I think that also becomes a part of the problem where uh, you don't want to have that as your start in the LEC. Yeah. And they really need to find a way to, to reinvent that. And usually you do that through spending. But... Um, uh, it doesn't seem like Australians want to go that path. Uh, we, they definitely need some kind of a miracle because I think in a situation where they don't, bec- are, if they're not tenth in comparison to the other Osses, I'd be surprised and I'd be very disappointed with whoever else is tenth. That's yeah. where I put Australians. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that is that is rough, but I, it's hard to argue that. And I agree, and I think it sucks for Australians because it feels like this downward spiral, and it feels like a downward spiral. I especially feel bad for the players on the roster mm-hmm. where your reputation will only continue, continue to tank as you're on a roster that performs poorly regardless of the circumstances. I think it's a struggle. I think Finn should be an upgrade on paper. Can't say how big of an upgrade he'll be, but 113. Don't know a lot about 113. Know a lot about Zersei. I know a lot about how Zersei played on that team last year, and him and Jonathan were the redeeming factors for me. Kabe is a reliable player. He is a consistent player. But when I look at the guy who is going to, you're going to build a team around, Kabe's still, you know, he's not that guy for me. He can be. I believe that he has it in him. We've seen it in the past. Uh, but that's been many years ago at this point. And I think that what scares me the most, too, is Jonathan had the pike. He had the bard. But then later in the season last year, people just started banning both those champions and his impact was instantly mitigated almost completely. And I think that, uh, you know, we really are going to need to see 
because I, we now know we're not going to see it in the off season from the org side. Um, we need to see a rebirth for these players. And I don't know where that's going to come from. That's a lot of pressure on guys who are kind of already expected to fail. Maybe expecting so little from them will make it easier for them. I'm not sure. But Dayor had a vex. There's like, there's like one or two shining lights for each of these players. But when you talk about grasping at straws to kind of how they get it, you're essentially trying to draft the perfect five-man team comp for this team every game. And if they get those exact five champions mm-hmm. every game, Finn and one and three don't really fit into this. But from last season, you could fit the, uh, the team into this. Then maybe they're making top eight mm. yeah i mean i think the one saving grace for these guys maybe is for dr's champion pool kind of coming a bit back into meta like in eu masters he's a big twist of fate and rise kind of similar yeah, to yeah. Nisky, right same yeah. conversation so maybe they can make things work with that like he was a facilitator so you get copy and jong who going a bit easier maybe as you say they can hit eighth but i really don't see these guys making it anywhere near yeah. playoffs you know and, and maybe if anything, maybe like if, if I'm strategizing as the coach for the team Astralis, it's like, how am I going to approach this season? I am making sure that we practice way more than anyone in the off season yeah. leading up to the BO1s. Because that because, is so important. Yeah. Because that's where they can catch some of the other teams that have higher, um, of course, um, you know, goals, for example, mm-hmm. like a team like uh, Fnatic or G2 or whoever, like they are not going to put the same amount of time in the off season because they are planning to potentially go to MSI and to, to play Whoa. deep runs. So this is where Astralis maybe has an opportunity to, you know, do some damage. I and I think swore. that that is infinitely more valuable because also that first section of the split is three weeks, <laughs> which means we're going to be playing on one patch, right? And that means that that however many weeks in advance you're doing preparation, that is essentially valid for way more of the season than it used to be. Because we used to have teams like SK. I feel like SK every season came in hitting the ground running and we're always like, this is the season where they could do it. And then the patch changes and the other teams start to catch up and suddenly we're back to back to square one. Yes, and yes. now that momentum, because of how tight the seasons are and because of how, um, how the patch changes are working out comparatively where we're on like one or two patches instead of like five or six, means that... Um, Hitting the ground running is much, much more viable. And I think if we do see a world where expected favorites, you know, teams we'd expect to get top six in the past, top eight, top four now, get knocked down, it will be because teams like Astralis hit the ground, or other teams that we don't expect as much from, hit the ground running and are like completely ready, have a good read on the patch, because that will carry you so far. For sure. That yeah. is a third of your best of ones if you come into week one with a good strategy. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? Like it's it's actually nuts. And to add as well, considering like from my experience, playing super weeks is super exhausting. Like the the, the, the fact that you play one game per day and the, the separation of that, uh, like coming to the studio, preparing for one game, it kind of takes over the whole day. It's yep. very difficult to to uh, be in a position where you also scrim, unless maybe, like in Fnatic's case, they always have the, like the later games, they play at 10 almost every day, right? So maybe there's some leeway there. But if you fall behind, you're going to have a lot less time to actually practice because yeah. you're going to have potentially one break day, three days of scrims, and then boom, super weak again. So momentum is going to be super, super important. We have, we've been in situations so many times where teams like Vitality or whoever, they, go, they, oh, they start the first super week 0-3. Who cares? They're going to get into playoffs anyway. But now if you do... Yeah. <laughs> sweaty hands. Sweaty. If you start 0-3, it's not a death sentence, but it feels... It's rough. And especially because, like, the good news for the teams that are potentially going to start 0-3 for any of them, whether it's, you know, a lineup who's starting slowly or a lineup who's just getting blasted is 
Like, you just have to make top eight. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to not be in the bottom two. You know, you just cannot be ninth or tenth. So, I feel like it balances out a little bit, but it's still going to be an absolute rat race. Hmm. Um, Astralis D tier. Any, is, is any D the lowest? That's is D, is e? D is the lowest. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Not a lot of faith in Astralis. Astralis are our expected 10th place team. Yeah. Um that is, it's grim, but for the sake of the boys on the roster, for the sake of staff behind the scenes, I, I hope it works out better for them. Moving ahead to our next team, third on the list, none other than Fnatic, Wonder, Razorak, Humanoid, Reckless, and Rux. Uh, Yamato, mm. I, we've been going to you first a decent amount, but I feel like we have to go to you first <laughs> on this one. You can ask Dagda to give his assessment first if you want, or I can give my assessment first. I don't know. You obviously know this team and these players much more intimately than either of us do. And I don't know how involved you were, if at all, with their plans for the future. Uh, but yeah, what do you got for us? How do you feel? Um, I, I was I was not involved. Like we parted ways rather early. Uh, but um, there was some conversations, right? Obviously, during the the World Championship, we had Rux as a sub. There was always conversations about how we should maneuver things, and I was always pushing very hard for for Hilly. And um, I think when when you look at Fnatic strategy in this off season, uh, they've chosen to to build around uh, Humanoid, Wunder, and Razor because this, these are the players that they've yeah. kept. And I think that the main question always is, is 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 there an improvement in in that side? Because on paper, I think it's not an improvement. I think upset Hilly on paper, uh, last year we had a fantastic roster, but we didn't achieve the high highs that everyone yeah. expected, right? Yeah. Uh, so they've made changes to adapt to the three players that were kept. And then the question is, is Reckless and Rux, uh, that addition, is that going to improve the performance of the other three because mm -hmm. that's the only world where i see that this team is going to do better in if there's a situation where uh, marek razork and, and, and wunder are going to have a better performance than uh, than the previous year due to this change up in the staff and also in in, in, in the bot side of, of, of their team uh, then maybe they can kind of reinvent themselves but there's also you know that when I look at the sides of, of of Rux, it's like a lot of the hype around Rux was built off of the two games he played at the World Championship. Yep. But that's a very narrow way of viewing a player. Yep. And even though I think uh, Rux has an experience of being a leader in his past teams, moving to Berlin and joining a team like Fnatic and joining, uh, you know, uh, the LEC at the same time, that's a lot of new stress factors that you need to deal with. Mm -hmm. And then the question is, will that same leader uh, be there in in that situation where the stress yeah. levels are extremely elevated in comparison to being in sunny Spain, where things are a little bit more relaxed when you're in an environment where you're uh, a lot more comfortable, because this will be the big challenge for, for Rux. Yeah, it is not sunny here. It is dark and depressing. Yes. <laughs> Eight to nine months out of the year. The other three months, bang. But those <laughs> nine months of depression, uh, winter's hard. Anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think the biggest thing for me is like this team, look, I think Reckless is a strong player, but I put him kind of in the, like, I'm going to use LPL terms here because I just come across sure, the LPL. It's like, yeah. <clears throat> I put him as like a gala rather than a Jackie Love, right? Mm. When I look at someone who's going to like step up, hard carry a game and like make the play that breaks the camel's back. I don't see that as Reckless. I see that as a, Reckless is phenomenally good at doing his job. He will deal the damage that you need, but will not actually like go that one step further where I see like Uzi or Jackie Love will, right? Yeah. Um, 
Wonder as well, I think is an absolutely great top laner. But again, I don't see him stepping up to be like the hard carry in a situation. So I think if this team then feels like if Humanoid is on form, fantastic. This is going to go wonderfully well. Um, and we've seen what Humanoid is like. I mean, World Championship, he popped the hell off. But I've also seen in summer that at the start, Humanoid wasn't looking so hot. And yeah. I remember that Talia wall where he just threw himself into the middle of five members and immediately died, right? So I think this is where if Humanoid is looking good coming into the split, I think this team is going to look absolutely phenomenal, but it depends on what side of Humanoid that we get coming into this. Yeah, I'm also, I feel like, I, I, I'm i curious to see how these guys mesh together behind the scenes as well. We'll only get bits and pieces. Um, but, you know, like Wonder's a guy who is really good at the pro side of the game, but doesn't love solo queue a lot of the way that like people would want him to, you know, and, I, and I'm not going to hold that against him. And I think Humanoid's a guy who, when the motivation is there, when there's an opponent that is at his level or above his level, we've seen it. I've heard it from Mac and I haven't heard it from you, but you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but like he is a man who will rise to the challenge. Um, but he'll also drop to the challenge too, I think is kind of what my, my perspective has been on him as well. And I'm really curious how that's going to work with a guy like Reckless, who is notoriously a grinder. He is a guy who wants to fix problems by putting in a lot of raw hours. Um, and I just don't know how all those personalities are going to work together on this team. On top of Rux, who's a guy I don't know very well, but, um, you know, if he wants to be a leader, that's a tall task when you have such a different mix of personality. That's a huge task for, for a coaching staff. And I think that, like, when you look at ceilings on paper, this is a team that could be very, very good. But if there is one team who did not... I look at who's like who I'm like oh this format change going to three weeks actually there's probably two teams it's Vitality and Fnatic when I look at like a three week regular season with elimination on the line and need both these teams should easily be top eight but if it was like top six I would be sweating because I'm like I just don't these are the guys who when the fire is lit under them I believe that they will shine and you and again as your co I would love to get your take on that I believe these guys will shine when there's a fire lit under them specifically wonder and humanoid when they have a reason to sweat for their life they will sweat and they will be top two top one in their respective positions but when they don't need to sweat I feel like they're like they'll have good games they'll have bad games and they'll sit somewhere kind of in the middle I think like a, a very uh, problematic theme that we had was that uh, often uh, it, it was hard to, to, to make the players confront the issues they have with one another. Mm. I, I think when I, when I look at Humanoid and Marek, I think as, as individual uh, Humanoid and Marek, I say Wonder, Wonder, Wonder Humanoid. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I look at Humanoid them, is Marek, for, for those who don't <laughs> go by names. As, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> as, as individual players, they will always perform as individuals, regardless of what circumstance yeah. they're in. This is what makes them, they are true and true professionals. Hmm. I, I think the main thing is, will there be, uh, you know, room for a person to have uh, some kind of overarching, you know, impact on the group? To make them come together and actually tackle uh, their problems head on, because uh, a, a big part of the roster uh, is is kept the same, and they're going to move into another stressful year. Uh, a lot of those issues will remain, mm -hmm. and will they be able to to tackle them with 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 the new players? Uh, an additional layer to it, uh, like I always call it, the reckless mini game. The reckless mini game is the game of how does he solve the meta by not playing the meta. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I I. I know that last year in K Corp he was playing a lot of Zeri and that was uh, the big meta and there was no like a clear like gap in terms of what he played. But I'm, I, they're walking into this season where everything is going to be very 
lane heavy. We're going mm-hmm. to see Lulus, we're going to see Heimerdingers, we're going to see Namis, we're going to see, see Yumis. And Rux, he's performing the best when he's playing the melee Aulen supports, and that will be the biggest challenge for, for Reckless and Rux to figure out at the same time as they're adjusting to so many new things yeah. uh, with, with the pressure, and at the same time they need to perform at a very high level in terms of lane phase. Because even though it might look boring on screen, uh, the amount of effort you need to put in to be clinically precise in these mage uh, support matchups is very, very difficult. Uh, I saw it myself at the World Championship, the amount of 2v2s my ball lane did, Lushanami against Genji over and over again. It's like there are so many details to it that mm-hmm. you need to figure out. Yeah, I mean, I think the one funny thing is like Rooks is 100% win rate, I think, on Lulu. I think he's 8 0 on that champion. Oh, and you got Sivir. So, <laughs> so that's where I'm just like, if they just stick to Sivir Lulu, yeah. maybe that'll be fine. But that's where my, again, that's one of the biggest worries as well is like, how does Reckless slot into things? I mean, if he gets his hands on the Sivir all the time, fantastic. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. And I think that if you're watching this and you're like zero faith in Reckless, because you had, did not watch the LFL or you saw the, the, absolute mess that was his year on g2 i get it because it did feel like when shit hit the fan and g2 were like how do we make this work the answer that reckless had or the coaching staff and reckless decided on was like back to the gin baby and like a meta where gin was like such a random pick you know what i mean like i don't want to say completely useless but like pretty useless and i think that's also the concern too if we're talking about a team who and for all teams that they need to hit the ground running right it's very likely that for teams, like, because the splits are so short, you're going to live the emotional cycle of a split, the stress, everything way, way faster. And if Fnatic are a team that start 1-2, uh, you know, 0-3, then it feels like, is that the thing we're going to see the next week? Are we going to start to see those maybe off-meta comfort picks just trying to stabilize? And I feel like Fnatic could be a team that when they spiral, spiral hard. Um, and it feels like this team is a more complicated puzzle then a three-week best of one season is really going to allow them to solve. Now, I don't know how much time they've spent in advance of the season prepping and practicing together as a five-man. Maybe they've already solved a lot of these issues, but there's a world where they've figured their shit out and they're great because, again, when you look at individual players, there's very high skill ceiling here, and there's a world where they haven't figured it out and it is a hot mess on stage. Yep. <laughs> the sad truth is some teams, they are better when they practice less. Because then they're not reminded of all of the issues they can't solve. <laughs> and um, I say that from experience and I will add nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's hope that issues get solved this year. That's what I'll say. I hope yeah. that everybody's solving their issues. I, where are you guys putting them? S through D tier. Where do you guys see Fnatic? It's like I, I would have to put them A tier. Yeah. Mm. I just I just have a lot of faith still in the top side, and I think there's a world where they bring enough attention for Reckless and Rux to really show their strengths. Yeah, um, ah, yeah, because I have G two and Koi as S tier, so mm, I put Fnatic yeah, like yeah. one yeah, step down, fair, which yeah. is basically where I'm at. Um, I mean, they have the ability to win the split, as you say, like if they can get everything going. But um, yeah, I just put them just below G two and Koi. I put them on the same tier with uh, Mad Lions. The only one that I feel bad about putting in B tier now is Heretics because I think that they're probably a tier below Mad Lions and Fnatic for me. But I just, as a guy who's not putting anyone in S tier, I'm like, ah, they're probably to me on the same tier as like Excel, et cetera, because I think Excel is not going to have issues. They just have players who haven't broken through those ceilings. I expect them to hit the ground running. And for me, I just, I'm too, I'm worried about 
I, there's just been more times in recent years I feel like where I felt like Fnatic isn't performing than I feel like Fnatic is performing. And to be fair to them, when they are performing, when you were coaching this team, you guys were making miracle runs and best of fives through like weird situations, top lane substitution, junglers coming in. Like again, these are players where when the fire is lit, I have faith in this organization and probably in this roster as well to perform. But until that point in these first few weeks, I'm just like, not no faith, but I'm like, eh, I was, just don't know. It was surprising to me when I looked at like Fnatic hasn't won a domestic title since 2018. Yeah. I was like, that's, bro- that's feels, broadcast, baby. So, so we keep close. talking about yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'll go, I'll it's go. building you up. <laughs> oh, man. It's hard to say. How do you, can I ask like on a, on a personal note, how does it feel when you step away from a team and you watch them? Is it like, are you, are you worried for your boys? Cause you spend so much time working for them. Are you optimistic for them? Like, how do you feel when you look now at this team, at this lineup as someone who worked with these players for so long, worked so hard to help them get to worlds, to help them make that journey? I, I guess there's always two sides to it. It's like, it's the personal and then the professional. I, I think the professional side, uh, I, I am detached, right? In a way that, oh, they made a decision and they moved this mm-hmm. direction. Uh, no, 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 ill harm, no, no harm that way. You know, I, I accept that. The personal side is, of course, like I want the, like Razor, Humanoid, and Wunder to do super well. Like I have so much history with Wunder. Rox was also s- such a good sport at, uh, at the World Championship. Yeah. Like he was very helpful for us and, and just uh, like uh, just a breath of fresh air in, in an environment that, uh, you know, was the same for, for a whole year. Yeah. And, and having a new perspective there was, uh, was really, really good for us. Uh, reckless i have history with like back in season two i played on the same team as him i had a lot of conversations with him in the off season that i joined Fnatic, and we were considering you know we were talking about how we wanted to work together and um uh, all in all you know uh, i i hope that they succeed because it's in the end these these are my boys you know yeah Uh, but on on the professional side when someone asks me my opinion i have to say say it how it is you know yeah Hard line to walk sometimes in the world of esports. It's really easy mm-hmm. to get close to players and personalities. But yeah, it is what it is. And sugarcoating it doesn't really help anybody. So we'll see, ultimately. And that's the story for a lot of these teams. But again, new format, new season, new roster. All we can do is count the count the variables and bet on whether they're going to end up positive or negative. Um, but speaking of a breath of fresh air, shifting our attention to Team BDS, Adam Shio, Nuke, formerly Nuclear Int, uh, Crowny, and Lebrov. Huge potential here for BDS to be reborn after what was uh, an abysmal, abysmal year overall. It was a hot mess. Um, We had interviews talking about it It was a hot mess. We saw it on stage. This was the most visible, I think, disaster we've had as BDS last year where the players were chatting shit. The coaching staff was disappointed in the players and it was just, it was a mess is the TLDR. Anyway, now we have... BDS Academy, or at least multiple pieces of it being elevated alongside Nuclear Int remaining, uh, Nuke and Lebrov. So, Tag, let's start with you. How do you, how do you feel about this? How are you, are you optimistic about BDS Academy? They had some great results in the LFL. Um, you know, overall, are you feeling like strong upgrade for the team? Yeah, I'm feeling a bit more optimistic about them. Um, I mean, there's a couple of different things, right? I think the fact you got Adam, Shio, and Crowley coming up from the same team, it essentially feels like you're just kind of playing around that like LFL core, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they have like a fairly solid game plan, which is at least from what we saw in the LFL was Shio playing around Adam, right? And it feels like we're getting uh, Adam's champion starting to come back into meta, right? Like the Renektons, the Camilles. I mean, Olaf, Yumi <laughs> yeah. could be a combo for that top side, but it feels like that could be like 
the way that they try to play the game. Crowny and Labrov as well used to play on Vitality back in the day. So, I mean, you're kind of getting that reunion as well. I think they finished sixth, I want to say. Um, but like, I mean, it's still, these guys are kind of coming back together to play. So I think the the big thing is you kind of got a lot of these guys that have already got that inbuilt synergy. So especially if we're looking at best of ones, um, that can stand to you quite a bit. So I'm I'm quietly optimistic about the, these guys. I think the, the biggest thing though for me is like, when I looked at BDS, they had absolutely no idea how they wanted to play a mid game. Like not even the slightest. So I think if you're looking at like an early game plan, I think they're sorted. It's when they get to the mid game, I want to see who actually steps up to be that big shot caller. And yeah. I mean, if it is someone like Lebrov coming in as well to see if he can sort that out, but that's what I'm going to keep my eyes on. No, yeah. for sure. No, I'm, I, I, I'm with you. I believe that across the board, I think this is a massive upgrade. I think some of the things that you heard from from the the, the BDS camp was was really disappointing, uh, like in terms of the motivation of the players and uh, the the general sentiment around the team that uh, you know there was just doomed. And uh, yeah, I heard the rumors as well. Or not the, like I, I heard. I mean, you heard rumors, and then you heard in interviews people talking about everything yeah, that went yeah. wrong. Like it was very even before the rumors, and the rumors were bad. Uh, it was. Very publicly messy. Let's yeah, just say that. yeah. And it's like I, I heard time and time again, BDS Academy was stomping the BDS main team in scrims over and over again to yeah. the point where it was a waste of time for the BDS Academy to play play uh, 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 like uh, against the main team in scrims, yeah. which is crazy. Usually, it's the opposite. And I think uh, that uh, here you have players that are very hungry. It's always that resurgence of players that get get into the LEC. They get the taste of the good life. And then they get removed from it. And the players yeah. that manage to find a way to claw themselves back come with a very, very valuable experience. And I think if I look at the, the bottom three, so to speak, like SK, BDS, and Astralis, I think BDS is the team that I am uh, the most excited for because I think uh, this is a team that uh, you know has a sense of direction. And I think that they've made uh, improvements and I think they've shown uh, good potential in, in EU Masters. I think Crownian and Labrov is a botlane that definitely can do well together. And yeah. if I look at the context of the current meta, I could easily imagine Labrov playing all of those uh, range supports and being very satisfied with that because this is a lot of the things that he plays in order to consistently just have rank one uh, on the solo queue ladder. So I think uh, this is definitely a situation that uh, can work out super, super good uh, for them, especially on the current patch. Yeah, I'm... I'm I've been becoming more optimistic. We talked a little bit about these guys before the show, and I was like, you know what? That's a good point. That's a good point. Because I think initially I was ready to be like, oh, you know? Because like at, when we saw Adam last time, obviously he was really hyped up, but it was like his pocket picks, I think, were becoming a liability rather than a strength. Um, you know, when we saw Nuclear Ant, this was the guy who probably had more expectation put on his shoulder than was fair because this was the guy that they chose to build their roster around. Um but I think when a roster is crumbling, like BDS was last year, it's really hard to look at individuals and be like, oh, you should have done this. Or, oh, like your individual performance was really so significant when everything's going to shit. And I'm hoping for for Nuke that he can he can step up in this because this is a guy that BDS is very clearly super invested in. He's a guy that is sticking around here that they want to do well. And from a rookie perspective, Shio was popping. There were lots of teams last year uh, that were looking at Shio. They were, they were like, this is the guy, he's the next one to go up. And I'm glad that BDS held on to him and that they now get to see him on their main roster. I am, I love new junglers in the league because mm. I feel like you can't be boring as a jungler. 
There's one or two that come to mind. Mostly <laughs> not trying to throw any more shade than I'm already going to do so today. Mostly you cannot be boring as a jungler. And she was a very explosive guy and a very mechanically gifted guy. And when you pair that with, as you highlighted, Adam, who obviously already has some uh, history playing with Duke, when you pair that with a guy like Lebrov, who can roam when he needs to roam or can play the range sports, it's just like a very, it feels solid mm. as far. And again, the expectations are not sky high. It's make top eight. You know what I mean? I think that is the reasonable goal for this team. We'll see how far they can go past then. I think in our old format, you would have said fighting to get into playoffs, you know, seventh, trying to get their way into sixth, maybe. Um, But I think in this format, you know, get to best of threes is the goal for this team. And I think that they're my, the easy favorite, I think, for that eighth place slot, maybe contested by SK, but like cautiously optimistic about this team, I will say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I would also add that uh, as a group, the fact that they've like have had experience within their dynamic, yeah, going into uh, high stakes games, uh, best of fives, there is individual experience, and then there's also group experience because each dynamic kind of, uh, of course, maneuvers themselves uh, differently depending on on the situation. And I think if they're in a situations where they're fighting for like their tournament life and those best of threes that happens so early on in the season and that is going to be a very interesting experiment for for all of the teams but that's where this team also has uh, some some valuable experience that can definitely uh, help them in 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 the in the second round with the best of threes double elimination well and i think just in general it's a good point to highlight because in the same way that we're looking at a team like fanatic and being like they don't have that experience together or any of the other teams we've talked about today the fact that BDS does have so much of that experience, the same way we were talking about Astralis, talking about hitting the ground running. BDS is very much a team that can hit the ground running that you would expect. You already talked about the range support for LeBron. It's what he plays in solo queue. You look at Adam, he'd love to have a Yumi. Now, am I ever a fan of the Olaf? Sometimes, yes. But mostly I'm like, as long as it's an option for him to pick it and not a he must pick it, I'm a happy camper. If it's a he has to pick Renekton Darius or Olaf, I'm a sad boy. As long as it is an extra option, not a limiter, I'm a happy man and I... This is a team that I think could go 2-1 in the first week pretty easily, could just hit the ground running, could just be good because they are a team, I think, in the same capacity as Astralis where they are probably putting in the extra hours because mm-hmm. they know they have to come out swinging if they want to make a deep run in this tournament. C? C-tier. C? Yeah. C? Yeah. C-tier. C-tier. For me, that's alongside SK, the only other C-tier team I have. It took me a second to realize you weren't just saying yes in Spanish. C. <laughs> C. Uh, yeah. C. C. Okay. C. Solid team. All right. What? I, I already... Oh, man. This ooh, next ooh, team. The final team. Vitality. Two teams. <laughs> Vitality. Always two tiers below where you expect the comment just sticks in my head. Um, we'll see. This is a wild ass roster. This roster is crazy. It is almost as crazy as Heretic's roster with the with the Evie pickup. Uh, Photon, Bow, Perks, Neon, Kaiser. Um, I'll just state right off the bat. I really need Bow to be good. We made an ad. Cadrill <laughs> <laughs> literally once a day told me how insane Bow was in solo queue. Like I'd watch his stream and he'd talk about it, and then he'd come into work and he'd tell me the same thing. <laughs> and I feel bad for Bo and I'm blessed that I don't think that like he is the best English speaker on the planet. So he cannot see all of the, the like discourse about Bo because this guy has been dangerous levels of hyped to the audience. If he does anything other than come in and smack the shit out of his opponent, people are going to be disappointed. So yeah. I am, I am, I believe in the Bo hype train. I want to see more for Bo, but past Bo or even on the subject of Bo, how are you guys feeling about Vitality? 
Uh, I mean, for me, a lot of it does come down to Bo. <laughs> Honestly, like, <laughs> funny enough. Uh, I think the interesting thing is, like, I am very, very excited for Bo. Like, we cast him the LPL 10 and 0, pops the hell off on FPX. But I think one of the big things that people forget, like, even uh, he set the record for the most kills of as an LPL jungler with 16 kills on Olaf in one of the games. Like, the guy pops the hell off. Yeah. But the big caveat to that is he had some of the best support in mid at playing around a jungler. You have Doombie in your mid lane, and you've got Crisp who literally just, we used to call him the Mad Dog on a Leash, because Crisp would just wander around the jungle with them. Like, literally just point him in a direction and just send him. That was it's how like a this, pig sniffing for truffles, but yeah. it was kills and awards. Yeah. I mean, that's how this setup worked, right? So I think if you can have a similar story on Vitality where Kaiser is able to facilitate him to a certain extent, you got perks, you can try and help him out. I think he can pop the hell off. But... If you end up with Bo not having that support system, I think that's where he's going to struggle. And I think that's the big question for me coming into Vitality is like, do they actually play around Bo as a big carry? Or is it just a case of Bo kind of does his own thing, doesn't really have a huge amount of competitive experience, yep. and then the whole thing kind of goes to crap? You? No, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Uh, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there with, I, I think in, in Soluki it's a lot easier to put yourself in situations where you can mechanically express yourself, but in competitive play, it requires a lot more precision and coordination with your teammates. I have to say that Vitality, I think in terms of how they've managed Bo's situation, has been very, very good because Bo yeah. has been in Vitality for quite some time. Yep. It isn't like a random pickup where we're just going to slot him in and see what happens. He's been uh, adjusting to, to Europe, he's been learning English, and he's been, you know... Uh, involved with the team for for quite some time. I don't know exactly when they signed him, but it's 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 been a while that the the boss too has been cooking, and we've been waiting for him to to unleash. I think as long as they figure out ways for Bo to put themselves in situations where he can mechanically show how inferior the enemy is, like I, when I watch him play, I get goosebumps. When I watch him play AD carry, he is one of the best AD carries that I have seen. It's insanity. When he plays, I, I saw this this replay of him playing Samira, and I'm like, this is this is crazy. It's like it's it, there was this meme that uh, it's like Neon is 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 a really strong AD, but he's the third best AD on, on Vitality. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh like <laughs> obviously Perks doesn't play AD anymore, yeah, but it's yeah, like yeah. Perks and Bo is right there, and like Bo mechanically, as long as they manage to put him in situations where he can mechanically shine this team can be very dangerous. And when I think of Perks, when I think of Kaiser, I think this is the type of guys that can can make it happen. I think Kaiser was at his best when he was facilitating for Elioia. Yeah. And I think Neon is a, a smart player that can adjust to situations. And I think he's very adaptable and, and is a good player that is, if you allow him to go under the radar, he comes up big when, when it matters. So I think yeah. this is a, a very good constructed roster and uh, it's all about a boy bow. <laughs> yeah and even i mean photon as well i reached out to chronicler to chat to him so shout out to chronicler um, and he was saying he's super excited for him to be coming over like photon has been really, really good in the challengers league over in korea and um, probably like top three in the league and um he's kind of talking about how good of a champion pool he has like super diverse likes are necton but like i mean if you got someone who can kind of bring in a whole bunch of different stuff can even play the carries that we're kind of seeing the meta shift towards yeah i think you've got a solid top lane i mean perks is perks neon kaiser super solid bot side so i think it is just that big question mark of what do we get from the jungle yeah. i mean it feels so difficult to put that all on his shoulders but i think it is fair and i think that that question would be there even if we didn't already have the um the language gaps and i think that just kind of compounds on the issue and mm. you're kind of just trusting that 
uh, Vitality has put in the resources necessary to facilitate that communication that the players are going to be able to do what they need to do in game. But there's a world where I think this is more of a long-term project and maybe the first split is a little bit messy uh, and they don't quite get to where they want to get. Obviously, top eight, easy, top four, very hard for any team. Uh, it's stacked towards the top end. But I'm optimistic. I think I think you're right. I think Kaiser and Perks, when I look at them, uh, you know, when Perks first started, it was like, it was trick setting him up and he was perks was great at playing within that team and i'm hoping we get similar shades of that neon is a guy who did very well last year on misfits and you're right did go under the radar for most of the season and it was only towards the end where people looked at him not in the same light as they did vto but in a similar capacity where like he was the other really big driving carry force behind that team being able to place as well as they did uh so cautiously optimistic but everything is on bow you i believe in bow though so I'm putting them in A tier, boys. Where are you putting them? Yeah, A tier. Yeah, A tier. We all believe in both. I, yeah. I can't see him play at FPX and come across as like XLPL and not put Bo high. You know, yeah. I'm really excited for him. For, for sure, A tier. Yeah, I'm. I'm, 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 I'm ready for this to blow up in my face. I'm very ready. Oh, yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna try my best not to backpedal right here in this instance. I want to so bad to be like, it's all gonna fall apart. Don't get mad at me, public. But like, there's really good players on this team. Yeah. Um, and there's probably the one of the best mechanical players in Europe is in the jungle, mm. is in residing currently in Europe. Um, and if he's able to perform, he, I mean, like he can be anywhere from another random note in our history of a player who showed up and didn't make an impact to similar to Maorang did last season, a player, you know, coming in as an import who literally redefines the role for people because he's so good at doing what he does. And in Maorang's case, it was one very specific thing. But in Bo's case, if it's just mechanical skill ceiling, that's crazy. And that is an advantage that Vitality will hold over people for a while, for if sure. that is the case. Yeah, it's like the, the way I would put this Vitality team, it's like they're putting uh, everything in like the bow basket, but the basket is so nice. It's like I'm looking at the basket, Photon, <laughs> Perks, Neon, Kaiser, yeah. even changing up their coaching staff, Coach Carter. It's like in, in terms of misfits, I think this was always a team that looked like a team that was well coached because they yep. always had a clear identity, a clear idea, and they really played to their strengths and managed to achieve more than what people expected on paper. Yep. And I'm excited to see how that kind of plays out as well in the context of Vitality because it's a very different shade of a roster. But if they can find that clarity in their identity fast, that is a big advantage uh, as well uh, coming into uh, any game, honestly. Yeah. And it's just, this is the team I think I want to watch play the most. Next to seeing the Fnatic, Fnatic and Vitality again, it happened just like last year, not because of super team status, just these are the teams that I want to watch the most. These are the teams that I think that have the questions that I want to see answered the most. And in the case of Vitality, it is just that bow question. That said, taking a look now, we've talked about all 10 teams of the course of these two episodes. The meta, we've hit on it. It's basically the same. Mm. We don't really have anything sexy going on. I mean, Cassante is up in the top lane. He's a handsome man, but past that, <laughs> you know, there's not really anything new or crazy spicy. Jack's coming out. I feel like there's a lot of stuff that I think we will top side that will probably exist more in the LPL than it will exist here as always. Jax was also popular in the past and we never played it domestically. But sadly for literally anyone with a heart, <laughs> Yumi is still viable in competitive meta. It's still Zeri. It's still Lucian Nami. We get the occasional Heimerdinger and Ash. I don't know. I'm not. I hate this meta. How do you guys feel? It's it's, it's kind of boring. I like sitting there predicting the picks. It's like 
feel like a toddler can do it. It's like, oh, Vai Wukong, Lushanami, Ziriyumi, Keisante. Okay. Enemy, this LPL top laner is a Fiora OTP, so he's going to pick Fiora. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. Give us some variety, please. Please. Yeah. I mean, the only somewhat interesting change is going to be in the mid lane where like Rise has become super mm. popular. We're starting to see like Cassidy on the fringe of stuff as well. Yeah. And like that can make things a little bit more interesting. But I mean, when a lot of these are kind of like, hey, we're just going to play Rome and play for side lanes because I mean, our top, well, at least in LPL, right? It's like we've got some sort of carry top. We've got Zeri Yumi bot. Good. We're just going to scale to late and be fine. Yeah. So yeah, it does kind of put a damper on things, especially when like, I was hoping for a little bit more coming in with the the off-season changes. Because like, on paper, it looked like massive changes. Yeah, yeah, and then it was just like, oh, no, we're literally just straight back to the same thing. Like, did you guys see the like the patch preview of 13.2? It's like a bigger list than patch 13.1. <laughs> yeah. yeah, They're changing the whole bruiser class. They're changing the, the ADK class. class. Yeah. They're changing. They're nerfing every, like pick that has been consistently there like Cassidy and Heimerding or Yumi blah 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 every champ that is being played I feel like is they getting know. nerfed they're like nah yeah. like <laughs> we need something fresh but it's so crazy to me because this is also not maybe an ideal patch for it to happen because we're gonna <laughs> play like the first we're gonna play the best of one weeks on one patch I don't know exactly when we switch patch so if you're at home don't hold me to this you can check it out online you'll get updated um, I'm sure on the LOL Esports Twitter or the LEC Twitter rather. I think Shakra has broken down on his Twitter basically yeah yeah it's it's three weeks same patch and then uh, the best of three best, best of, of five, three and best of five same, same patch. patch. Yeah. So you're gonna go from best of one in one meta to best of three in a completely different meta. Which God bless that you're going to the new meta in best of three and not in best of one. You know what I mean? Because uh, then there is actually more value to adjusting between games. But yeah, yeah. this season's gonna be wacky. I'm excited that there are that many changes for thirteen two though because. Aside from Cassidy, who's really fun to watch for exactly two games, and then you remember how Cassidy works, and you're like, yep, that's a Cassidy game. And Ryze, who I always think is fun to watch, but is kind of a D-Gen champ, I totally get that. Um, yeah, this has not been the... There has not been enough change here, I would say. I am ready for the death of Zeri. I am ready for Lucian to get out of meta. I bring back, for the sake of Europe, bring back Orn, bring back... Rel, bring back Rakan, bring back the occasional Pike. You know what I mean? Because like, if God forbid we go into an international event, Yamato, I'm asking this to you first. Mm. Is there a world where our top laners are going to be able to compete on picks like Fiora or Jax or Gwen or Cassante? Like, is it possible? Because every top laner I talk to has this mental block. The same way that like bronze players do when they go up against challenger players where they're like, he just does more damage than me. You know what I mean? And they like, believe it. It's like cemented into their brain. And I hear the same thing from EU top laners that makes me very sad where they're just like, I don't know what to say, man. He's just on another level. Like it's like the shy trauma from all those years ago that the entire region holds on to. Like it's it's like you, I want to say it's like jumping into like an ice cold bath, but that I, I'm trying to find something that's worse in terms of the shock because... Like maybe, no, I can't think of anything that is it's worse. It's like if it, someone were to fill your pants with a bunch of beans <laughs> and or spaghetti. Yes, yes, both with like same, a thick sauce. Uh, thick sauce, just wildly uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. And you just have to live just in that sauce. It. Yeah. It, it's like we, we see it in the fact that the, like we have Chasey coming in, we have Photon coming in. It's like teams are thinking about this issue ahead of time. It's like you, yeah. you, you, you need to, it's, it's like 
you are going to face up against these beasts at some point and a lot of the things what is going on in the LEC is a lot of people are band-aid solving uh, uh, some 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 issues that are not being highlighted in the same way as they will be highlighted on on the on the stage later on it's cough, like a, cough or in every game cough, yes, cough, or yeah. in every game because it's so easy it's like oh weak side or we're gonna play for our bot side everything is so streamlined you don't have a game plan <laughs> you don't have an, you, that didn't work okay we wait for or items donk 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 we, we scaled better than them and it's like it's so streamlined and easy but then when you play against that solo laner that is going to be able to leverage his advantage into taking better position and the enemy team is not going to fall for the orn horn yeah they, they, you're going to choke on that orn horn you're yeah. going to go for it he's going to be you're going to have a fiora just stabbing you in the throat you know it's, it's, just... it's, it's terrible and uh, yeah it's, 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 it's like, like a big concern it's like that's always the, the, the biggest issue when it comes to international tournaments but it's there's more to it than just being able to play the champion yeah. it's also it's like when you when, when you watch for example the LPL or the LCK the timing ganks the sacrifices the junglers are willing to do to get those matchups ahead is very very different the amount of times you see like a level five wukong wait in the bush just until the enemy pushes up just to get the kill just to get bin an advantage they know it's worth it uh, and they just go for it and that cooperation that investment is something that no one is willing to do because it's very scary in europe because uh, for example in our case last year like we were fighting for our life the whole summer split we come into super week we need to win every game and then we are playing through the loser bracket need to win every game we're not gonna risk it and bust out some yeah. some fiora action Gragas, baby yeah. Gragas, one more baby. time wonder they will dive you wonder <laughs> <laughs> go for it baby yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean i get it i get it i think it is so it's so difficult when that gap is there and when that practice against that caliber of opponent is so infrequent and you kind of just hope that you know maybe photon brings some of that with him you kind of hope that over time these players level up or the teams are more comfortable investing those resources and maybe looking stupid for for doing it yeah but then in the long term getting better for it because every team because this is literally always what has happened the second the shit hits the fan top laners are playing war in every game yes. the second you are 03 your top laners playing tanks every single game i'm just betting on it now so do you think teams are actually going to like experiment at all coming into the first week of the split? Or do you think it would just be, hey, we've only got three weeks. Let's just crank out the orn. So what I heard is there was a bot lane meta in scrims. And then uh, all the teams watched one set of LPL games. And it was instantly just the LPL meta every scrim after that. So mm-hmm. I, and that was from a limited sample size and from a single source. So I'll take that with a grain of salt. But I have a distinct feeling that people were just trying to figure out what to play and most teams that i have heard of are pretty happy to just let the lpl and the lck just figure that out for them mm. so but next patch very big very much in the middle of the season with no break so that is where i think if we're going to see experimentation will come it'll also be in best of threes but yeah short of one or two cheeses i feel like it's going to be pretty pretty vanilla for the for I, the teams i wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Cassante as well because I've been watching a lot of LPL, right? He has a 33% win rate in the LPL right now, which is supposed to be where all the really good top players are supposed to be. I like, I've seen the clips. I know like from Damasio Cup and stuff like that. I know Kajal had that pop-off moment where Hoye just like murders Bin underneath his own Terra Natrox. But it feels like those 
plays are becoming so few and far between as teams are getting better at playing against them. So I don't know. I feel like Cassante is kind of going to be a flash in the pan and then falling off, but can still have those really high highs. I just don't feel like we're going to get them as consistently and competitive. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I think that's completely fair. I, I think the nerfs hit him really hard, and I think also with the, with a champion like Cassante, I think there was there is like this learning curve that definitely benefits the players that are against Kaysante. Because I think playing Kaysante was pretty easy to figure out, but understanding what this champion does playing against it, I think that required a little bit more time. It's like, why does this champion have five dashes? You know, that's if, if you put that in someone's <laughs> ear without understanding Kaysante, that looks super, super scary. But I think now we see the Gwen, we see the yeah. Fiora, a lot of those matchups got a lot better with the Kaysante nerves of the move speed and the base damages. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think Kaysante... Many games, you just see him running around trying to catch up to people, and he just like kind of. I mean, reminds literally, he literally takes ghost, right? Yeah, he's, just, he's, he's like just jogging, yeah, just, just running for his life. And it's like Pepsi Man. It's just sometimes you see <laughs> like those those, those <laughs> games where he's just running, oh, after he's running, people. collecting coins. That's all you can do. Trying to stack his Q, you know, yeah. and it just doesn't work, and then he just dies. Yeah, I was under when he came out. Obviously, thought he was broken, and he has been nerfed since then. But it does feel like a champion that people have been figuring out more and more. And I think that one of the things that I notice is that every other side laner in the game uh you know really has some kind of sustain that they either build or is inbuilt into their kit and one of the things we were watching lpl today before on wednesday before this started recording and i was just watching gwen just kind of take advantage of the fact that cassante just like even if you go even in a trade gwen walks back and gets to heal up off the wave or heals a little bit more in the next trade and it just it really does start to stack up and i think that like yeah i just i feel like he's just been figured out and he doesn't I look at him in kind of a similar way to like with Camille, where she's not really the greatest side laner on the face of the planet, but she provides a little bit more in the team fight. And I see him in the same thing where he's like a character between two roles where he's tank and he's building tanks and he can have those impactful tank moments, but like he doesn't really fit the bill of what you want from a side laner more often than not against other comparable side laners and against other tanks. He's probably outperformed by Orn, maybe Gragas. Mm -hmm. And so when he's good, he's he's very good naturally. But when I look at like, what is the best situation to pick Cassante? It's like, oh, when he has a really good lane matchup or he's objectively OP. And he, since he's no longer, I think, objectively OP or at least feeling much less so, I think that just the worlds and the compositions that he fit into just feels like they're getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. And I like that people are starting to bring in AP matchups into him because obviously Iceborne and Gauntlet got changed coming into the yep. season, right? So it only gives armor. So he kind of wants to build that item because it's like hey i need that sticking power i want to be able to stay on top of this guy but as soon as you stick him into a matchup with gwen it's like all right well can't really build armor against this champion so I'm but also like a lot so. of the items you yeah. want to build are armor right like the other one is sunfire cape yeah. help with your wave clear you know what i mean it's like yeah. it's actually it's hard there's not there's like there's not very many like there's good split resistance items but there's not as many good mr items mm -hmm. that actually really help you in that going laning phase that are actually really impactful in terms of your trading power like there's really good mr items don't get me wrong but most of them are not enhancing uh Cassante's combat power in the same way that iceborne or sunfire would be yeah i, I would say like I, I, if, if if anything i think he fits in the box similar to kind of renekton where i think that you can Probably with Kaysante, if you just queue the wave and you just push, you can create a situation where you push. And maybe if that's enough for your composition to win by potentially yeah. uh, Kaysante being very strong around the first Herald fight, this is the same thought process around Renekton, right? That in most matchups he can push. And then around the Rift Herald fight with his, uh, with his Dominus and, and, and so forth, that uh, 
that he is just very strong in that fight. And usually, sometimes that can be enough to leverage the rest of your composition into a position where uh, the rest of the composition is going to do the work in case something's just going to vibe and yeah. you know be there. I actually really like that comparison too because I think that when we see Renekton's used well in late game i think it's a lot of similar to where we see Cassante used well in late game where it is often isolating a carry because in the context of a team fight late game similar to renekton if he has to walk at you and he's not coming in mm. from a flank he looks like he does absolutely nothing but if you can get on top of your carry which obviously Cassante has great tools to do with his ultimate he still has enough damage in his kit he has enough sustain his kit is strong enough not to solo every 80 carry in the game in every circumstance but to like really just murder a backline um, or I think the thing that he lacks is the thing that I love about Renekton in late game is like worst comes worse, you just sit on top of your AD carry with a point and click stun. You're mm. like, come at me, yeah. bro. You know, so a little bit worse maybe in some ways, but also better in the sense that he can can in a perfect world just isolate a carry from a fight. And even if he dies, even if that Lucian just one shots him, you know what I mean? That Lucian is now on the other side of a big ass wall. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Good. I see it. I see the potential. Definitely not as hyped about him as I was when he first came out and we were just watching him. Well, when he first came out, people were building like Divine Sunder and he looked kind of bad. And then people figured out Iceborne Gauntlet and Ghost and he looked disgusting. Mm-hmm. And now he's a little bit weaker and I'm happy about that. Last thing on the agenda, boys, week one. It's right around the corner. Saturday, Sunday, Monday. A lot of thrilling games coming up. We've got G2 Fanatic. Mad Vitality. We've got Fanatic Vitality. I'm just listing games I'm excited about. I don't know if you guys have the schedule in front of you. I'm pulling up the schedule. Like looking <laughs> G2 Excel. Excel Koi. Ooh, Fanatic Koi. G2 Astralis. Holy, Fanatic schedule is so hard. Fanatic schedule is actually brutal. They're like, all right, welcome back, Reckless. Uh, here you go. You can fight Neon. Uh, then you're fighting Hansama. And then you're fighting uh, the old the old Trimby bottling. Little Comp Trimby. How's that sound? Nice little gauntlet to get you kicked off. I'm gonna. It's gonna sound so bad when I say uh, I think Fnatic can go zero three this week. Oh, he's so mad! <laughs> it's just very hard matchups. Yeah. These are very Damn. hard matchups. Damn. So where do we start? Yeah, I, I mean, mean, pick just pick which one you're one excited about. We don't have to run through every single okay, game. Good. Who are you excited about? Which games do you think are explosive? Do you have any controversial predictions? Like Astralis could beat Heretics on day one. That's not my prediction. Don't hold that against me. I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> I mean, I'm hyped for Fnatic Vitality. I feel like. We kind of get an inkling as to where those two teams kind of sit then at that stage. Um, and also, it's just going to be an absolute bloodbath, right? Like, it feels like when, at least from Vitality's side, when they hit the rift, they just want to go absolutely nuts. You got, uh, I don't know. I'm just so hyped for that matchup. It's going to be so sick. Aren't you casting that matchup? I think so, yeah. Yes. yes. Am, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dagged a quick shot. Brace yeah. yourself, audience. Get Ooh. the dagger cast. <laughs> that's a banger to cast, dude. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. Nice. I think that's a great call out. I think I'm a little bummed that that is their day one matchup. Because these are two teams that I want, like, if they're going to be successful, I expect them to hit the ground running, and now only one can hit the ground running. Yeah, yeah, Now, someone is getting the momentum day one, and I think that is a big deal. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be easier for both of them if they were playing maybe one of the lower teams on our tier list, but... That's a brutal start. This Fnatic schedule, yeah. you're right, is This is hard. a rough Fnatic. Like, every Fnatic game is really, really high. Also, I don't know if you guys know this, but, like... Mickey X is for sure just going to try to 2v2 kill Reckless. Like, they're just yeah. going to pick the most aggressive bottling they can and try to kill that man. <laughs> yes. Like, they're... Mickey's not petty. He's not revenge. He doesn't have a beef with Reckless, but he's like, ooh. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I don't think anyone plays into the rivalry, but Han Sam and Mickey X are a bottling that kills people. Um, and right now, Reckless and Rux are those people. So, <laughs> that's... Whew. You know, if you lose day one and then you're going up against a bot lane who's, like, very personally invested in 2v2 killing you... 
that's a tough that's a tough yeah. week into the former champions oh i even remember the last time they played together they lost against uh, my team in the best of five right but yeah. what what hillian upset did to them was i remember like one high <laughs> yeah like both flash like they were completely like completely gone like reckless and mickey together was not working like they were on a different they were in a different dimension like hilly was so deep in their head he was he was like doing their taxes for them in their head like he was he was completely so far off the deep end and i'm wondering if that memory is going to stir up something it's just the inception there <laughs> for sure and yeah. if anything else besides the fanatic games i would say uh, vitality versus mad lions i think elioya versus Bo. it's like we have some crazy jungle matchups to a loop i swear if we get vi versus whatever the hell i'm gonna be vi so Wukong. no this no yeah. give, me, give me like give me something psycho give me something truly unhinged comes at Belveth. grace Belveth. grace like, Belveth. yes both of them just all the gold goes to them and they just 1v1 in the river to decide who wins honestly we have some crazy like the jungle matchup is gonna be crazy this yeah. year it's just yeah. bo versus malrang also malrang we talked about this last week malrang is he just gonna do the same thing forever of course can anyone stop him of course can <laughs> is it just going to be Jarvan? Another year of Jarvan? Like, is he actually unstoppable? Does he laugh at the ba- in the face of the balance team every time? He looks at them and he goes, ah, yes, it is a Jarvan meta, isn't it, freak? <laughs> They're trying so hard. Anything they can do to get him off the pick won't happen. Mowering is unbreakable. I think his logic around Jarvan is perfect. It's yeah. like, if they have dashes, I can make them use them. Hmm. And when if they, they don't, don't have, have dashes, <laughs> they can't get out of my abilities. <laughs> Perfect. And only man I know to pick Jarvan into Ezreal and LeBlanc. Only man I know to get away with it, too. So, <laughs> can't take that away from Malrang. All right, boys. We'll wrap it up nicely. This weekend, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, start of a brand new year, start of a brand new format. Uh, thanks again, Yamato, for joining us on this my wonderful pleasure. podcast. Dagged, I'll see you this weekend. And you'll, I think we'll have you back. Yeah, yeah. In the Week near two, future broadcast, he's coming back. Can I announce that? I Get think your I boy on the I'm analyst. I'm doing the hand phone, so I can announce it. Hand phone. <laughs> Is that how that works? Yes. He can leak anything while you do this. <laughs> yeah, anything. Throwback. <laughs> G2 boys. I don't know where this came from, but it took over our league like storm. Because yeah, yeah. it started somewhere other than G2, and then G2 took it, and now it's just out. Anyway, this has been Euphoria Season 11. Not 13. Episode two. Thanks again to Dagda. Thanks again to Yamato and everyone who listened. Um, I think we'll make pictures of these tier lists and put them on the internet somewhere if you guys want to see the full tier list for all 10 teams. And in the meantime, we will see you this weekend. And stay tuned because more sick content is coming out before the start of the season. Until then, we'll see you guys next week. Euphoria forever till the end of time. No one's here. No one's here. And I. Going up, 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 up.